What the Tech is brought to you by HelloFresh.com. Receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code ANDREW30. Remember, go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code ANDREW30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. Thank you to HelloFresh. Everybody, welcome to What the Tech. I'm Andrew Zarin. Of course, I'm joined by the one, the only, Mr. Paul Therod. Paul, how are you? <laughs> Perfect time. <sighs> pretty know, good. Well, terrible, not really pretty good. Terrible pretty Red sick. Sox mug. Terrible? It's terrible. a nice one. Well, they're terrible. You know what, what are I they? Do? You know what you could do, Are Paul? they terrible Maybe, or are they in first place? I may, can't recall. Well, terrible for me. Well, actually, I don't <laughs> care because I, um, I'm a Mets fan, so we're always terrible. I'm, where, I'm using my, uh, my Therod mug today. Nice. Mm. Mm. Everything that you drink out of here tastes like disapproval. That's right. That's right. This tastes bitter. <laughs> Everything Why tastes- is the water bitter? I've never had bitter water before. Yeah, you're drinking it out of Therat mug, guys. <laughs> um, guys, we yeah. do have a lot to talk about today. Paul was at Ignite. We're going to talk mm. about that. Microsoft October announcements. Amazon hardware announcements. Uh, a few details on the Windows 10 S first line workers. Yep. Uh, See, I, I like that you paused over that because it's a weird word. It yep. is a weird word. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it. And a whole lot more. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's been such a crazy week and so many crazy announcements. And uh, I don't. I'm going to an event tomorrow that I, uh, next week that I'm not. A, a, and I'm not sure I can mention too much about. But I'll, I'll have some detail on that in the coming days. But we have so much to talk about. But before we do, let's take a moment and talk about a new sponsor, a new supporter of the show. And Paul, this is awesome because. I am a big HelloFresh fan. Okay, so something that you and I have connected on uh, for a while now is our love for food and alcohol and drinking. (laughs) And I think they go hand in hand. Something that I do all the time, and I know you and Stephanie are really into, it's uh, cooking and drinking wine. You know, I make an event out of eating, and I make it an event cooking. I, I genuinely enjoy cooking at home you know i make it like a fun thing we put on the music we're drinking we're eating we're doing this whole thing and you could experience this amazing meal and which i'm going to talk about a little bit more in detail uh thanks to hellofresh.com obviously they're supporting the show you receive 30 dollars off your first week of delivery when you go to hellofresh.com and use the offer code andrew 30 remember hellofresh.com and use the offer code andrew 30 for 30 dollars off your first week of delivery so some of the awesome things is that each week HelloFresh creates these new unbelievable recipes and with step-by-step instructions. It's foolproof. You don't have to be this unbelievable cook or you don't have to have the abilities of a of a fine, you know, fine dining chef. These these meals that they put together are not only unbelievably delicious, they vary in different types of things. You kind of venture out into stuff that you normally wouldn't eat. You know, I made uh we made pork the other day and it was by far the best thing i've ever made at home it was unbelievable uh, they came out to about ten dollars less than ten dollars each meal per meal which is great everything is delivered to your doorstep makes it super easy uh HelloFresh sources you with the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantity needed so you don't have to you're not wasting any food and you're not doing these crazy measurements to try to figure out how it works each meal takes about 30 minutes and this is a great experience for all of us to try. Guys, I highly recommend this. This is also a great gift. I've been giving these out for a while. My um, 
my wife's cousin got married and she bought this house, you know, a house, not this house. She bought a house with her husband and they they were just so crazy with the way that everything was go- going and she was on the phone with my wife. And she's like, you know, we rarely go out and like go to dinners and we always like cooking the same thing. My wife sent over a HelloFresh and they absolutely loved it. HelloFresh.com. Use the promo code Andrew30 at checkout. You get $30 off your first week uh, of delivery when you uh, use our code. HelloFresh.com, everybody. Paul? Yes, sir. You are fresh, but you're like, <laughs> you're like, you're fresh in the sense of you just snap back with comments. That's, that's, that's how you are. You're fresh that way. Um, I am fresh. Let's talk about Ignite. How was it? It was good. It was a big show. Yeah. What did we learn? What did we learn? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, Microsoft was really pushing at what I view as the future of the company, which is kind of the cloud, AI, machine learning, and now quantum computing type capabilities that I think really differentiate Microsoft from the competition. You know, and I, I, it's one of those weird transitionary things. I think a lot of us still think of Microsoft as the Windows company. And, um, you know, it makes Windows still, but I, this is, that's kind of the past. And the, the future of Microsoft was kind of on full display, I would say, at, at, at Ignite. Yeah. Um, they, they've obviously determined what direction they're headed in. And you could kind of see some of this playing out over the last couple, I guess the last couple of years. But now, what, what is the end goal here? Um, I know that there's so many different variables when it comes to this company and the direction that they're taking, you know, direction with enterprise, direction with consumer, direction with education. Um, did, did it kind of clarify where Microsoft is kind of projecting to be in two years? I don't know that they were that specific. Um, I mean, I guess you could read I mean, between the lines, right? Yeah, I, right. I mean, I, I, right. I'm trying to think, you know, because they, they also provided some guidance on how they were going to support on-prem customers and hybrid customers for the, you know, for the near future. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, they made it very clear, you know, that this is the future. So if you think about something like Office 2019, which they announced, this is their on-prem version of Office. Uh, which includes the office suite, includes a couple of servers that companies can put into their own data centers. You know, this is stuff they were basically like, look, if you're an Office 365, you already have all this stuff today. We're just going to package it up and give it to these Luddites a year from now. So, um, you know, yeah, they're going to keep supporting it, but, you know, they're putting all of their effort into the cloud stuff. Yeah, especially, uh, so Bing for work, for example, uh, how you could search your work, you know, local work documents, through Bing now? Yeah. And <clears throat> actually, I thought that one was pretty cool. It sounds it dumb, it. you know, like. Well, Google uh, did Bing. this a while ago. Uh, I don't know how Google. I, I don't. Someone else mentioned something about this. I don't recall that. But um, th- this is just a, you know, using their Microsoft Graph technology, they can integrate with their backend systems. And so you can type a, a, a query in that might return results from your HR department, right? Or from your backend SharePoint uh, or from LinkedIn, you know, depending on what you search for. You'll still see normal internet results after that, but the work-related stuff will be right up front. And that's, you know, that seems like kind of a smart idea. Yeah. I was very interested. Um, I, a lot of positive feedback over Ignite uh, from the people yeah. who want yeah, this yeah. year. Uh, a lot, lot's going on. And I think it all ties in, you know, um, Microsoft's October announcement uh, that they kind of spoiled, right? Yep. Uh, so what happened here? 
Well, we, we think so. We actually don't know what they're going to announce in, in October. And so uh, we had assumed that what it was going to be was Surface Pro LTE, you know, like it will be available on December 1st. It'll be in these yeah, which we, we mentioned last week, and I think you mentioned on Windows Weekly the week prior. Yeah, so what we've learned now is, well, I should say what happened was that um, a couple of people at, from Microsoft at Ignite mentioned the December 1st date. I think they might have even mentioned the configurations, and uh, we found out later that those guys were had a little speaking to, and I guess they weren't supposed to reveal that. So I, I, I think they they will and had already always intended to talk about this stuff in October, but... Now we're kind of wondering if maybe there'll be something else uh, that will be announced at that time, but we, you know, we don't know anything about that. Yeah. Um, so LTE on these Surface books is it on these Surface devices? Um, mm-hmm. We're I'm assuming it's going to be Surface Pro, right? It is Surface Pro. Yeah. yeah. We're not we're not talking like Surface laptop or Surface. No, book. but actually, um, there was a slide for an always connected PC. Um, I don't know if it was a session or part of a session. And it showed a photo of a Surface laptop, leading to speculation that maybe Surface laptop will also be available with built-in. It's probably, well, it'll probably be like an eSIM. I'm not sure how they're doing it exactly, but I was, if it's always connected PC, it'd be eSIM. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I they should have this capability across all of their devices. Well, you know, okay. So this brings up an interesting discussion that I had with someone. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about you know always connected devices, and you know, I I I had a bizarre experience the other day where. I was on the go. I was coming home from the city, and I had like a work emergency happen. And at the very moment, I needed to get online with my laptop. Okay, so you're gonna say, "Okay, this is easy enough, right?" How do you yeah. do it? You connect to, I guess, you could tether. You know, you tether, you do the hotspot sure. on your phone, and you connect to the computer. For whatever reason, I on this phone, on this specific phone, I just had a plethora of issues getting the hotspot to work it just wasn't working right i could get it to work on my android device but i had like 10 percent battery but i couldn't get it to work on this and at that moment i thought you know i know that this is redundant and it's kind of going backwards but why can't i just have lte built into my laptop every laptop should have lte i don't think well i don't think that's the primary reason i i mean um I, I think this is mostly named – well, I, I, obviously there are individuals who want this, but I, I think this is mostly aimed at corporations who give out these laptops to their employees. And the yeah. idea is that you're going to be online all the time. And on so the road makes, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to separate the cost of that from your personal cell phone plan. Absolutely. So, I mean that's one of the issues with tethering um, unless you're – you know, obviously unless you're given a smartphone from work. Um, but you know, for a lot of companies, it, it might make sense just to kind of include that in. So – I think that's the primary use case. I, most individuals wouldn't want to have a separate smartphone, you know, or a, like a, a bandwidth. What do you call it? Like a, a data plan? Uh, would would or would not? Wouldn't. Wouldn't. Yeah. Um, because of the cost. Yeah. You know, in other words, to an individual, it's like I'm on a basically on an unlimited plan. So whatever, I can tether it and I can plug it into the laptop while I'm tethering it and it charges it, and you know that will be enough. But but I, I think this is for. I mean, some people will want it, obviously, but I think this is for businesses that need to, um, you know, want to have those things separate. Yeah, I listen, I and I think it's necessary to keep it separate. You know, for for my job, what we did actually, I, I it was my idea. We we give out these iPads to everybody for various reasons. So I upgraded all of them and I put an LTE chip in all of them. 
you know, I just ordered the thing and I added it to the corporate account and nobody's complaining about how they can't get online anymore. That was a big excuse that we had. I can't <laughs> do it. I don't have internet where sure. I'm at right now. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, my internet went out or this went out or the, the, the bar that I'm at doesn't have a Wi-Fi <laughs> connection. So sure. I, I was tired of hearing that. So I just put in LTE and all their, all their uh, unlimited, an unlimited plan and all their iPads. And guess what? Nobody's complaining anymore. Everything's getting done. So I, I think for yeah. a corporate thing, this is extremely beneficial to know if, if, let's say, sales, you know, you're deploying all these people out to do stuff. You kind of want them connected. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, the, the the problem from the Microsoft perspective is that they don't sell enough of these devices to put them put this everywhere, right? And so, you know, even on the Apple side, like when you buy an iPad, you can choose between Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi plus cellular, and you pay a little bit extra to get the the latter version. Um, that would that will be the case of Microsoft as well. But because it's Microsoft, not Apple, you're not going to get every single memory choice. You're not going to get it. You know, in, in PC's case, you don't have uh, yeah. all of the different processor choices and whatever. So. It's it's a little limiting, and I, the thing I'd like to see with eSIM in particular is this should just be in the device. You know, if you don't use it, you don't use it. The, this thing can't add more than single digit dollars to the cost of the machine. Oh, so yeah. just put it in the damn machine and let people enable it or not enable it based on their needs. You know, has, but that's what, not what they're. What has been the argument to? I, I mean, I know that there are some laptops on the market that have some, you know, LTE connection, but. Why hasn't this been a a takeoff point? You know, once we hit unlimited plans with high speed LTE, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. literally getting, you know, most of the time I could probably do a speed test now and find out, but I'm probably getting like sixty <laughs> megs megabits on sure. this phone with LTE. So why haven't more know. companies kind of deployed this and and kind of gone to this level with it? I I mean. I just think it's a complexity and cost thing. I, I, and by the way, I'm not 100. I don't think eSIM actually makes it any less. Well, it makes it tons less complex on companies or individuals or whatever. But um, I, you know, I, it's funny when Microsoft ships uh, Surface devices that don't have this, people complain. Um, and they've only actually ever shipped one Surface that had any kind of cellular connectivity. That was the Surface Three, which was yeah. kind of a weird choice because it was such a woefully underpowered machine anyway. So I honestly they'll they'll do this and I think it'll be kind of a a minority of devices will even have this capability. It's I don't think it's going to be anything that puts surface over the top. But you you can get cellular connectivity in PCs today. Um I don't think it's a volume thing, but yeah. I do think it's important for certain businesses or for certain segments of businesses like I said traveling uh you know Salesforce or workforce whatever. Yeah, I, I- I think it's really interesting. I, I think the whole thing is fascinating that this is when they're going. I think this is a great step for them and, and for enterprise use, you know. Yep. Uh, my opinion, uh, as someone that has deployed this in his company, uh, you know, LTE on all these iPads, they really are competing with the iPad Pro at this point. Uh, in, that, in that sense, <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something. If I had yeah, an option, yeah. if, if this is a priority for my company and I have a Surface device without LTE and that or I could get an iPad with LTE, you know, an iPad Pro with a keyboard, I might just go with the iPad Pro. I, I mean, I hope that's not how people are making decisions, you know, <laughs> to be honest. I'm because, just going, I'm just simplifying it down to just Yeah, no, no, I get it. But I mean, you either need a PC or you don't. And if you need a PC and you need connectivity, it seems like tethering in some way was will work if if you know that's still better for you know 
than having to go to an iPad. Unless you could, in fact, use an iPad to get work done, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, I see I see crazy things every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do too. Um, it's 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 interesting. I'm curious to see what devices they're going to deploy this in. You know, they may have a good advantage if this, the next lineup of all the Surface devices, you know, Surface laptop, all these things yeah. are always connected, and they have a, they have an eSIM. You're giving Microsoft way too much credit. They're never going to do this everywhere. I'm hopeful. So, I'm hopeful. We'll see. I'm hopeful. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll leave would, it up. I to, wouldn't count on that. Maybe we should leave it to another company. Maybe HP yeah. or Dell could start doing it, and we could see. Well, I mean, but I just to put it in perspective, like I said, even Apple doesn't do it. So, yeah. Apple does not offer this in their Macs. And they the offer specific good. configurations of iPads that have this. Yeah. So you can still, most iPads get sold without it. You know, So Microsoft will never do that. I wish they would. But So, so talking about Apple, uh, I don't know if you've seen the backlash I've received over, <laughs> over, over my, what my... What have you done? Well, I, I criticized Apple. Uh, and, and that's a big no-no, right? You're not allowed to do that. Uh, <clears> throat> as, throat> a, as an Apple user, as a Mac user, as an iPhone user, as an iPad user, I, I guess you are not, you have to follow blindly and totally ignore all the, all the problems. Andrew, get, please be specific. What have you done? So I, put, I posted a picture on Twitter. I'm having a yep. terrible time. I'm having like an endless amount of UI issues on this thing uh, uh, right. with the latest iOS where yep. my – so you know the notifications? The notifications yeah. will somehow turn – get blended in with the home screen. Oh, really? Yeah. Like you can see the icons I could see. It? I could see the – no, I could actually see the notification behind my icons. Really? Yeah, so it almost becomes like it's my background. So I actually posted this picture on Twitter. Um, you guys could, if you follow me, at Andrew Zarin, you could, we could pull it up, um, right. where it just gets jumbled. So let me see. Paul, if you go to my Twitter, it's from a couple days ago. I did it about six days ago. So the notification bar goes to your background, and it's almost like it's a background image. Yeah, I, I've not seen that. And I wrote, um, holy F, iOS 11, get your S together. Because I had a, a terrible time with this. And people started attacking me that it's a fake image, that all I did was take a screenshot of my background and put it as the background. Of course. And I just, like, of it course. was like endless. It was like an endless array of messages I started getting. People call, like, people like, you're an, I, animal, I had a similar, you're an idiot. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm like, oh yeah. my God. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I yeah I some but I post I can't remember what it was it's some Microsoft screen and someone's like you Photoshop that it's like uh, yes that's that's what I do I I I post fake things so I can make fun of Microsoft yeah well you know, I, this is the uh, the level of discourse on Twitter these days yeah so. I I just couldn't believe it um but I've had actually I have a lot of issues with iOS 11 um, which I'm very surprised at because when I was on the beta I had zero issues and then with GM I have all these problems. Which is, uh, hmm. I don't think I've had problems. You um, haven't had any UI I've not, issues? I've not, no, not like that, certainly. Yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, iOS, um, iPhone 10 is uh, a lot of issues with this thing, huh? Already. <laughs> They're having production well, problems. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's hard to know. It's not even out, so <laughs> you know what? it's I hard was, to know. I was... I was going to do the Apple does things the right way kind of comment here sure. about how they wouldn't dare release this face recognition thing without it being, you know, functioning, you know, without it working really well, considering how unbelievable touch ID is. And now I'm thinking, oh, my God, they may totally drop the ball with this thing. 
Hmm. I can't I can't even think about what a disaster this would be if if the face recognition software does not work right for Face ID. Right. Uh, I mean, yep. th- this is like a not a make or break because this is not going to break Apple. But I mean, I need to know how well this works before yeah. I would even consider buying I know, this thing. I know that that's my yep. whole point, and I keep yep. telling people this. I go, listen, this is a first gen device. This is the first time Apple has attempted this. They don't attempt this on their laptops. You know, Touch ID is a little bit more. I could see how they got Touch ID so right from the first time they attempted it. Nobody, everybody, because nobody was doing it like this at this level. But right. face recognition software on any of these devices. Look at Samsung. Look at, I mean, Windows Hello works well, right? But Windows Hello works a little bit differently. I don't, actually, I don't believe Windows Hello does work well. You don't the think facial so? Thing. No, I don't like it. Okay, I, I mean, it's worked for me when I've used it, but. And everyone will, you know, I get different people who will tell me different things on that. And I don't, you know, whatever. I've tried it a million times. It. I don't like it. And it worked particularly bad on the phone, which is one of the many reasons I'm nervous about it. It works yeah. terrible on the Samsung devices, uh, facial recognition. So we will see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't, I keep telling people, let, let's wait and see how this works in the real world. Yep. I, I don't know how well it's going to work. Well, I have I have a bunch more stuff. I want to talk about this Amazon announcement from yesterday yeah. that snuck up, uh, which is really cool. But I want to remind everybody: everybody should go to Thorat.com right now. <laughs> right now, right? Actually, do not go to Thorat.com right now. No. Wait, actually, open up another tab and go to Thorat.com right now. Uh, you guys have a premium service, Thorat Premium. You can become a Thorat Premium and enjoy more news from the sources you trust. And that source is Paul and Brad. I trust Brad. Sometimes Brad, I trust more than you. It's yeah, me too. Uh, you get full access to the content on Therat.com. You get access to First Ring Daily, a, a podcast featuring Paul and Brad, which is on every day, almost every day. Uh, premium forums, Therat Daily newsletter, premium comments, enhanced user experience, and I'm sure more that's coming down the line. You have a choice of either $64 for the year or you could pay 7 bucks a month, and I highly recommend you guys do this. Go to Therat.com and sign up for a premium service right there. Uh, let's talk about Amazon. So, yeah, you know, they just announced a new Fire TV, right? Yes. At this, at, like an hour ago, right? When did they announce it? Yesterday. The Fire TV? Yes, yeah. yesterday. Yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow. You know why? You know why? Still yesterday. I'm going to tell you something. I'm reading this story. I'm reading the Fire TV stuff. And yeah. I'm seeing someone just posted. This is what happens when you read on the go. It says, just ne- announced new Fire TVs. I'm like, oh, I missed something yesterday. Yep. So they announced a, a whole wide range of products. Uh, some stupid, you know? Sure. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know. Stupid is uh, a well, tough we'll term. But... Uh, the Echo button? What do you think of that? The Echo button? Well, actually, it's kind of hard to say because we don't really... That's the one we know the little, the least about. But it, that looks like it's kind of a niche soon-to-be-gone kind of stupid thing. It's just for, like, a games, you know, like group games. Yeah. You can press the buzzer and before anyone else or whatever, and that's probably the least interesting of so all that stuff. I'm going to go down the list of this because Amazon is really mm-hmm. investing in this uh, in the Echo environment, right? Like this is their thing now. Uh, they announced new smaller second gen Echo speakers for ninety nine dollars, which I actually like. They look pretty. Yep. Um, they announced that they announced the Echo Connect speaker phone uh, that connects to your POTS line in your house. Or, or to your um, yeah, stand- VoIP. Yeah, service. or your VoIP. Yeah, it's standard. Oh, it's standard. a good idea. You know, um, 
Amazon or I'm oh, sorry, uh, Google offers us through Google Home, hands-free phone calling. So yeah. that's what that is. It's good. Uh, they announced the Echo button for games. They announced the Echo Spot smart speaker with a rounded screen. So it's that it's their it's like a like a like a weird combination device, right? It's a dot and it's the um, they're like voice uh, they're they're video conferencing. Device. I think it's like a smart alarm clock, basically. So technically, it is, but you could do video. You could do uh, calls. No, and you could do video stuff. Yeah, hands-free voice and uh, video call. Yeah, because it is a screen. Sure. God, they are really banking on on the holiday season with these devices, right? One twenty nine for that. Then they announced a uh, an official Ethernet adapter for the Fire Stick and all new four K HDR Fire TV. Yeah. But uh, by the way, the new Fire TV appears to be a replacement for both the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick. Yes, it's it's because it kind of dangles off the, dangles. You know, the HDMI. So I had initially heard that you were going to have a bigger device, a bigger Fire TV. Mm-hmm. Did you do you remember that they were showing like F- uh, no, but, FCC uh, sketches of, about this new Fire TV that's bigger and okay. with more horsepower? I, and the, the, this. This one device actually leaked ahead of time. Like, I've already seen this yeah. design, like the square dangling thing. Yeah, I thought this was going to be just an entry-level Fire TV. So this Fire yeah. TV with 4K and HDR, yeah. 70 bucks. Yeah, 70, uh, 60 frames a second, too, which is one of the big complaints. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm actually going to get one of these. Um, I'd kind of written off Fire TV. I know it's your favorite it is. But this one. You know, it's cheap. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good price. I mean, the... Google Chromecast Ultra is seventy bucks, and that's also a little dangler. But it doesn't have a a remote control. Yeah, right or a UI. You don't have to bring it up. Well, it does have a UI. I'm sorry, but you know, typically what you do is you just cast to it. So you don't you use the UI on your phone. But I really like having a um, like a hardware remote. So I mean, that alone is it, it makes it pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in this. Um... You know, I have an Apple TV in the living room, and I have a Fire TV in my bedroom, and it was the opposite. I tend to watch more TV in my bedroom than I do in the living room, and I, you know, I had the original Apple TV, you know, whatever, how many Mm -hmm. gens that they had this, and it was fine. It was fine for what it was, and when when I got the Fire TV, it was miles ahead. You know, the UI was old and and outdated for the the Apple TV, and they caught on with this latest one, but there's just so many weird UI things, and... One thing that baffles me is with the, with the Apple TV, and if you guys are in the market right now for this, I, I highly recommend you listen to my rant about this Apple TV. So they have a YouTube app, obviously, right? Everybody does. Do you know in that YouTube app you cannot subscribe or watch more videos from a specific uh, person? So if I go to Therat's channel and you can't subscribe. Time, it's the first time I saw it. I can't subscribe and I can't watch more of your videos. I can only do that if I'm subscribed already. It's kind of a half-assed experience if you think about it. Sure. Because I like to go there down that. Must be a ra- reason for that. Yeah, I like to go down that rabbit hole. Like I find a video from someone that I like. I'm like, oh, I want to see what else they have. It kind of doesn't. It kind of prevents you from doing that on the Fire TV. Obviously, it's 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 a full experience, um, and that's a baffling thing. And I don't necessarily blame Apple for that. It could be a, a it could kind of be a Google thing or a YouTube thing where they don't want to okay. allow your full ex- the full experience on that device. Because they want you I to mean, buy. I mean, if we don't know, we shouldn't speculate. But I would say you you would say, say that that might be Apple. No, my if I were forced to guess, I would say that Apple requires a thirty percent vig on every sale that anyone makes on their systems, and that there are YouTube channels that have payments involved or are only part of 
YouTube Red or YouTube whatever yeah. you pay for, and it has something to do with that. But I, that's just a guess. I, I mean, literally that's, have no that's idea. A, that's a fascinating theory. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Regardless, you can't subscribe. Yeah, that's and, weird. and I've asked, and I've and I've and I I thought it's, I was. It's not Apple's fault. I mean, it's not Apple's fault directly, right? I mean, it might be the thirty percent thing, but it's it not like Apple TV doesn't have a feature that would enable this. I mean, it's uh, YouTube or um, Google didn't do it. Yeah, so I I don't know. I I I I find that as a as a major turnoff for me when it comes to this device. But yeah, well, uh, the remote is the major turnoff for me, and that remote is poison, but, Paul. Well, I was <laughs> so I was away this week at Ignite, as you noted, and um, I, you know I talked to my wife each day, and uh, I think it was yesterday. She says, you know, she goes last night I tried to watch TV. We've been using PlayStation View over the Apple TV, and I you know use the remote, and I she sees me frustrated by it, but she's never actually used it. And she said, how do you use this thing? I, she said, I literally couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And I, I, she never got it going. She never found the show. She was never able to do it. And she later was able to watch it on Hulu, some new show or some new season of some new show, whatever it was. And so I said, well, I, I said, I know. I said, that top thing where you swipe it is really difficult to use, especially. And she says, swipe it. Oh I'm not God. even talking about that. I couldn't even select anything or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that, no, you have to swipe it. That's why. And she's like, that's the most ridiculous remote I've ever seen in my life. And I'm yeah. like, well, thank you. You, you understand why I've been yeah. complaining about it. Yeah. My, my wife absolutely hates it too. Um, other Terrible. than, other than the fire TVs out of the, the Amazon products that they announced, is there anything that really stood out to you? Well, I mean, generally just that they're expanding the lineup of Alexa powered devices. So dramatically, I think that's very interesting. Um, also that they are starting to respond to the competition. You mentioned the hands-free calling stuff is something that Google already offers. They're responding to that. The new Echo and Echo Pro or Plus, whatever it's called, both have dramatically better speakers and far-field microphones, something that Apple is promising um, for the HomePod. And so they're starting to see what the competitors are doing, and they're trying to remain a step ahead. And I think that's smart. And so the one thing, well, actually, there are many things that Amazon has over the competition. Obviously, the the sheer number of skills that Alexa has and all that is, is very important. That's a big differentiator. But the other one is Amazon is like um, the crazy eddy of the internet and they, they lowball on prices for everything. You know, I often complain like with Google and their phones, like sometimes they're cheap and sometimes they're not. Apple products are always too expensive. Amazon products are always they're just reasonably priced. I mean, it's, I guess there are a couple of examples where that's not the case. Some of the like the high-end Kindle Oasis stuff is kind of expensive, and they have, they do have a couple of expensive things. But you know, for the most part, if you want to stay in that ecosystem, and especially if you subscribe to Prime and you get all these additional services for free on the digital side, I mean, it's it's kind of the place to be. Yeah. If you're not rolling around on a bed of cash every night, um, it's it's a very affordable ecosystem to be in. It's kind of interesting. So I, I'm just curious about how these. Uh, the Alexa, the family Alexa family of devices is going to continue doing over the next couple of years. Is this yeah. something that we will continue purchasing, or will this be, you know, when we look back at this decade of of bizarre devices that we all started buying, <laughs> will this yeah, be yeah. one of those? Will this be the netbook for? I, I don't know. You know, no, I, you know. Actually, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> Microsoft, who will never have any share in this market referred to these things as ambient devices. That's the first time I've ever heard that phrase. And as that I talk to people at Ignite, it's the first time anyone's heard that phrase. But it makes sense, right? You and I have talked about ambient computing a lot, this notion that 
um, I could sit down on a plane and maybe talk to the interface that's built into the back of the seat or I press my finger down and I log in and I get access to all my stuff. I mean, this notion that things will be everywhere. Those things will always have to be sensors or devices of some kind. But until we get that stuff everywhere in the world and there's some kind of a standard for it or whatever, the way you do it is with these like devices. And, you know, they start out kind of big and clunky. The first Amazon Echo was like this big cone thing. Now they're starting to get smaller. They're starting to have better sound quality. They're starting to integrate better into the home thanks just to, you know, better designs. And we're going to see eventually in the same way that smart controls come to a home where you have uh, switches built into the wall that fit into that same little enclosure that the dumb switches of the past fit yeah. into. Um, you will have that stuff will be built into those. And as you walk around your house or in, built into whatever, you know, you can talk to the air and you won't care that this, the, the microphone that's listening to you or the speaker that's responding to you is, you know, there, 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 where it won't matter. They'll be everywhere. Um, you know, obviously built into your phone. If, you know, now that we're, we have these devices that will be built into computers, they'll be built into cars. They'll be built into smart appliances. Um, and, you know, the, the goal is to get your platform pervasive out in the world. And right now, Amazon's got a nice lead. And this is them trying to, you know, keep that going. Um, because eventually, yes, the devi- those standalone consumer devices that you see are going to go away. But they'll be built into other things that we kind of need, you know, TV sets and speakers yeah. and, you know, whatever. I, I, so I, The reason why I ask is because we always discuss tech maturity and tech immaturity, right? And, and yeah. you know, this, this concept of always connected and always listening is this is this gonna are we gonna look back in 20 30 years and say oh my god what were we thinking we had all these devices that were constantly hearing us no 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 no. you know do you look back on a um uh like a phone booth on the streets of new york in the 1970s or on a rotary phone that gave way to a you know a keypad phone that you know with a a long dangly curly cable that used to get tangled up all the time I mean, we don't look back on that stuff and make fun of it. We understand that those things had to happen first. You know, you remember the first cell phones were these giant things that looked like World War II field phones. And then they had, you know, car phones that actually had physical tethers to the car. And now we have, you know, we went, you know, we have these little tiny phones now. And I mean, we have bigger phones too, but um, they're completely always connected, wireless, you know, untethered, whatever. Um, that's the progression. So, it's, it's this stuff, the, the roots, of, well, how do I say this? This stuff we have now is not old timey yet enough for us to kind of make fun of it. You know, it's like a generation from now, there will be the then modern version of what we do now. Like we show someone a cassette tape and we say, what do you think this thing's for? And my kids might have no idea. Your yeah. kids certainly will have no Most idea. Most likely, yeah. Um, and so when you think forward to like our kids' kids, our grandkids, you know, you show them a like an Amazon Echo or something, and say, "What do you think this thing is?" And they, you know, it looks like a, something you would put flowers in. It's a, a tissue box. You know, I, they won't know what it is. But when you say, "Oh, this is how we used to talk to the thing," they'll say, "Oh yeah, we talk to the thing all the time." You know, whatever the thing is called. Um, it's they just don't see it because now it's just built in the stuff. That's how I view it. Anyway. I had a uh, I had a big problem here. <laughs> I dropped I dropped my earbud, and I lost the little piece that goes in it. <laughs> so I couldn't I couldn't hear you for about thirty well, seconds. Well, I can assure you that whatever I said was yeah. 
insightful and correct. No, no, I heard, I heard most of it. No, I listen. <laughs> you, you are absolutely right in this sense. You know, which, yeah. it, it's it's not the device; it's the technology. Um, but it, it is thing. it is amazing to think. You know, the when even twenty years ago, the house of the future, right? Sure. It is kind of becoming the house of the future with all these always connected devices. You know, I turn my lights on from my phone and I could say, you know, I want this yeah. this level of white. You know, I want, you know, 5600 <coughs> compared to 2700 and I could adjust it from my phone. <coughs> I think that's an amazing concept and it's, it's a great extension of what the, the home of the future is going to be like. The transition is... Um we're going to go down little wrong roads, you know, or little dead ends or whatever it is. Or, you know, um, the hotel I just stayed in, um, in, in Florida it was actually a really nice hotel, beautiful, big room, plenty of plugs, you know, for electronics and stuff. And, uh, they had this big, I don't know what it was, what the brand was like iHome or something, but yeah. kind of a big stereo alarm clock thing with a dock on the front of it for the old style of iPhone, right? Pre lightning, mm -hmm. um, plug yeah and that thing's not that old right four or five years at most something like that but it's ancient now right like that's obsolete yeah. and that's uh, the nature of the era that we're in right now because that's how fast things are moving Yeah, things are moving fast and things yeah. are getting outdated and and yeah and you're gonna you place your bets as a you know as a consumer um today's sure thing may end up losing. You know, we really don't know. So we're, we're all placing bets here and there. But, you know, the nice thing about some of this stuff, like ambient computing, like we've been talking about, is really just the means to an end. And so it's the back-end services that matter. It's the capabilities that matter. And unlike with things like I chose a PC or a Mac, or I chose an iPhone or an Android phone, yeah, I actually think the process of moving between those smart assistants it's going to be a lot easier than those other technological generations, you know, that, you know, I, I picked a particular um, set of smart home devices for my house. Like I use Philip Philips Hue lighting and I might use, you know, smart switches of some kind. I might use a security thing of some kind. I might have cameras, you know, which I guess would also be security or motion alarms or whatever there. Um, those could all be different little ecosystems. But um, the one thing that they all, one of the things that they all have in common is I could use them with Amazon Echo. I could use them with Google Home. I could use them with Apple HomeKit or Siri or whatever. Um, they'll work with everything. Yeah, and and they'll so, continue to work. I mean, but that's one of the things that's nice about this, right? It's, you know, if you bought um, Microsoft Word for Windows back in 1995, well, that wasn't going to work with the Mac if you decided to go that way. And if you buy, um, you know, an app on the I iOS or whatever, and you decide to go to Android, well. You don't just get that thing for free because you used to own it over there, you know. So th this is one of those things where this kind of works out. It, there, there are other examples of this in technology. Like if you bought digital music after they got DRM, that works everywhere. That's really nice. Um, but if you bought digital music uh, movies from somewhere, guess what? You're stuck with that ecosystem yeah. uh, for the most part. I know there's some sharing things like Disney has, but you know, if I I have a couple hundred movies in my iTunes collection. From Sony, you know, <laughs> you know, you have like Sony. Well, I mean, wherever. I mean, the point is, they're not playing on the Amazon device. This is never going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a this is a very interesting transition, and and, and you're right. We're in yeah. this weird position right now where things are moving so fast. Where ten years from now, I mean, it's crazy to think ten years ago, two thousand and seven. What what kind of computerized world were we in? 
People were just starting to get, I mean, yeah. uh, flat screens were just getting popular in people's homes, right? Andrew, Windows Vista was new. Windows Vista was brand new. You know, that was the, that was my one of the worst years of my life, 2007. <laughs> I lost everything that I ever had on, on two redundant raids. I had oh. I had a big uh, big problem in my house, and and with we had a we had the power go out like six seven times, and the outlet there was a problem with the outlet, and it killed it fried the computer. But right. once the computer was fried, it also something happened with those hard drives where I was never able to get it back, and I lost like everything that I had ever taken a sure. picture of and written and everything. So. After that, I, I learned my lesson and I put everything in the cloud. But I mean, very interesting time, right? We're, look, look at the conversation I just had: redundancy and raids, and nobody's doing. I mean, by when I say nobody, I mean most people, right? <laughs> most most people. people, most people aren't aren't doing that at all. And if you are, there's many other solutions as to making your life a little bit simpler. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the last ten years, iPhones had just gotten announced. Most ninety percent sure. of people didn't have an iPhone. They they didn't even think about getting an iPhone. A lot of them were dead set against getting an yeah, iPhone. Where, where were they, we they using use... for home automation? X10, right? Was X10 <laughs> still the standard? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but the, what that meant was no one was doing it. You know, you know what? I'm going to tell you. Um, when my first, my first, like, my first computer was a Tandy. But after that, my parents bought. I think when I was in middle school, they bought me an IBM Aptiva, and. They got. Do you remember the Aptiva? The Stealth Aptiva it was black and it had like a secondary. Piece like so I remember the, the brand because I think they sold them at Sears, but I, I and don't. And Radio Shack, and Radio oh, Shack. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sears it must also have been yeah. their retail thing. But they had an IBM Aptiva, and they had the tower. But the, the the CD drive and the floppy disk were not in the tower. Oh yeah. There was a separate piece that went yep. underneath the monitor, and your monitor didn't connect to the computer either. It connected to this breakout, so it had yep. the CD drive. It had. Um, on audio breakout, it had a floppy drive and the monitor connected. So it was actually really cool if you looked at it because you had yeah. this giant no, a good, CRT. A good idea. Yeah, with you had this giant CRT and it was a flat. It was flat CRT with sure. these two huge black speakers on the side and this weird pop up thing underneath that you used to push. Um, but when I got that, it came with the X10. It came with like a whole kit. It was like a five hundred dollar kit to do X10 in your house for automation. I set up my entire bedroom. So I could control the dial, the lights with my with my computer, and people were blown away by it. Yeah, and look how simple it is now. Back then, that was futuristic. You know, I, twenty years later, twenty something. Well, yeah, twenty years later, uh, we're we're talking to a box this big. Sure. And it's doing everything. I mean, we we are we you are. Know, as really, soon as we start having conversations like this, that's just like saying that we're old. No, you know, I guess so, right? I'm well, two no, kids, definitely. two kids, I, two jobs, a mortgage, Andrew, and, and a car payment. Yeah, I am old. In 1985, I was driving down the highway in my boss's truck. He owned a construction company, and the phone rang. In the car, which in 1985 was a miracle. <laughs> and so I looked down, and I'm, it's it's the phone. It's, it's, there's a phone in his car, yeah. and it's ringing. So I picked it up, and I'm driving down the highway. I said hello. It was my boss. He said, "Paul, this is Bob." Why the F did you just pick up my phone? And I'm like, I I don't know. And he goes, every time you pick that thing up, it costs me 75 cents just why did to pick he, it up. Why did he call? Because he wanted to tell me something. So he was like, listen, whatever it was, I don't remember. But he said, don't ever pick this thing up again. 
And I was like, okay. But as I'm having this call, this car is driving by me with these two little girls in the back seat, and they're both like up against the glass, looking at the man from the future talking on the phone. <laughs> the you man know? from the future was the crazy that, guy. It, I'm telling you, in 1985, yeah, that was, that was not deal. a thing. I mean, it was for do- a few doctors and things, but it was very expensive. I remember when uh, the Gulf War broke out. My father was really into, you know, my father's like a military guy, so he's into planes and all that stuff, and. He, I remember he was on the computer and he goes, oh my God, we just went to war. And it was like a good 10 minutes before CNN reported it. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I mean, I was a kid, right? You're talking 1990, right? Or so, 1989, 1990. Uh, And I kept thinking, I'm like, oh my God, how did he know before it was on TV? Right. You know, and that's- the came from the future. Yeah, he got it from the future. It's amazing. Sure. I mean, listen, we, we talk about technology and we, we rag on the iPhone but or, or whatever device, but these are unbelievable. I mean, well, we, we, I mean ultimately what we're doing is navel-gazing. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're at such a level of um, awesome capability now that we can just, like, we can make fun of Apple because there's a notch on their phone, you know? And, and the question is, what we were asking earlier was kind of like, will facial recognition work? Work well. We know it's going to work. Will it work really well? Will it be seamless? Can you imagine going back 10 years and telling someone about facial recognition and how it's going to be working to such a degree that we're going to be debating whether or not this will be better than using like a fingerprint ID or a, you know, they they would think we were talking about some Star Trek episode. Like it's, it's ludicrous. I could see the, um, the CBS, you know, Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I could see them doing like from 20 something years ago. This is what they call an iPhone. This is the phone of the future. <laughs> sure. Steve Jobs well, yeah, or, has been working listen, on this. You could read um, uh, Isaac Asimov or Larry Niven or Jerry Pornell back in the 1970s yeah, or yeah. actually maybe as far back as the 50s and in some of those cases. And uh, they had things that were like iPads and iPhones and whatever. I mean, they, they envisioned this future. So, the, okay, so, so that's, this is a good question for you because you're a big Asimov fan and so am I. So the things yeah. that Asimov wrote about, right, like like iPads or cell phones or things yeah, like and this, that, right? He did was, have some iPad type stuff. I mean, we're talking, we're talking, you know, forty years, fifty years. The Asimov stuff um, probably goes back to the nineteen fifties, actually. Okay. So I mean, that's so from the time years, of, so of real reality. Yeah, so sixty years, I'd say. But you know, look, uh, science fiction writers have been doing this forever. Um, H. G. Wells. Um, who's the guy, uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea is someone else. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of these guys, uh, the kind of old timey, uh, science fiction writers from back in the day, or even, you know, like Sherlock Holmes. Jules and, Verne, by the way. Jules Verne. Thank I, could, you. The, I, could, um, I looked it up. The I forensic stuff or whatever. I mean, you know, there, there's always been great minds sort of predicting what the future will look like. There's also that kind of retro quality of, um, movies or books or whatever, where when they don't get it right, how ludicrous it works, you know, or looks like one of the things that is kind of amusing to look at because it's not that old is um, the movie version, uh, the the Minority Report movie with um, Tom Cruise is yeah. often held up as a, a very plausible look at, you know, the future world and what it could be like, except for one thing. There's the great scene where, the, you know, they're, they're multi-touching up yeah, on the yeah, screen and moving stuff around. You're like, look, they envisioned the future. And then the guy says, can you give me the data that you have over there so I can look it over? He goes, yep. And he plugs in the thing and he pulls it out and he hands the guy the thing and he plugs it in over here. It's like, you're telling me that he couldn't swipe that thing across the room through yeah, the yeah, air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have Wi-Fi. They had multi-touch, you know, whatever on glass. Yeah, they didn't have, they they didn't, could, you couldn't, you couldn't yeah. iMessage. I mean, it's just, yeah. when, you, when you look at that kind of thing and you're aware of what really happened, I mean, even at the time, I think it was a lot of date. It's, it's weird because it's so good in some ways. 
and then it kind of falls flat, you know, in other ways. So, but here's my question to you. You know, it, the things that Asimov and Jules Verne and, and all these people envisioned, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're technologists, they're futurists more than anything else. Yeah, sure. What, what, is our development of technology, is it, is it responding to the fact that they envision these things or is this just the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the evolution of be. technology? I mean, right. Because in I always words, think about what, it, how, how yeah. do you envision an iPad, you know, in 1954? How do you right. envision the concept of this? That this this device. I mean, first of all, I mean these are extremely brilliant, talented uh, people, and they were leaps and bounds well, ahead of their I, time, even with their writing skill. But I, I, the thing you have to understand is, like, for in a lot of cases, they didn't really envision the technologies that would have to happen for that stuff to work. Right? Um, it, my, even my son, as a small child, very small child, I remember him saying, "You know, they need to invent something where you can ask it a question, and no matter what it is, it can answer it." And I said, Mark, you just invented Google. Yeah. You know, um, that already existed, right? He didn't know. He was just a little kid. So some of these things, it's like um, you, you can kind of imagine these conveniences, you know. You can also kind of imagine um, the net result of certain conveniences. Like I always use, I always talk about McDonald's and how horrible McDonald's has been for mankind. And yet McDonald's was invented as a great convenience. It was a great idea. Yeah. Uh, it was a great idea Quick of its era, food. too. Yeah. Remember that uh, restaurant experiences to that day were sit-down affairs where you'd go in and spend a lot of time, and that's what it was. And their idea was like, look, it's the 1960s, people are, or 50s even, people are in cars. We need to build something that makes sense for people who are in cars. Yeah. And um, it, it started out as a convenience. Nobody was trying to hurt anybody. you know. And um, you know, Isaac Asimov in particular wrote about things like that, like uh, – yeah, uh, even for the time that he would have written the story, I don't remember when this one was written, 60s or 70s or something, but you know, you envision this gigantic planet that only has five people living on it, and they all live hundreds of thousands of miles apart in these giant mansions, and they can't carry their own body weight, so they float around on these electronic vehicles, and they communicate with each other on these giant screens through what is essentially Skype. Yeah. You know, and that, I mean, that's yeah. the society. And, and that's an interesting, that's, I don't know if that's futurism, but it's, you kind of look at the way the world is and you say, well, taken to an extreme, where could this be going? Uh, and that's, you know, it's kind of an interesting possible outcome. They did it again. What's that Disney movie? Um, Wally had a kind of a cartoonist take on what I just described, but that's from Isaac Asimov. Yeah. I mean, Asimov's story is really fascinating. Have you read his, like his life story? Oh yeah. He's, I mean, um, he's amazing himself. Yeah, I mean, just the sure. whole thing about how he got AIDS in 1983 from, um, he had a he had a blood transfusion, right? He had a heart problem. Okay. Oh, what's happening here? Did you see that? Yeah, that's, our, that's the aliens invading <laughs> that, yeah, our yeah, powers. That's, that's yeah. the Matrix, guys. That's that was a glitch. You said too much. I said too much. All right, we'll stop talking about Asimov here for a second. Um, that is so weird that it's doing that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, really quickly, uh, can we can we go over the details for Windows 10s uh, first line workers? Yeah. First line um, workers, I imagine like people on the docks. Those are the first line workers, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's not what they are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Fat Tony um, and, his, and his union guys, you know, getting up early. Right. So, uh, no, those are the dock line workers. Um, oh, okay. Dock line, not first line. No, Microsoft coined, I, I don't know that they coined this term, but this is the first time we've heard it from Microsoft. And so this is a, a segment of the workforce that are the people who deal with your customers directly. So you could imagine like retail workers. Um, is just an obvious example. They're the people who someone comes in and they want to buy something. They want customer service. You're the face of the brand. Their experience with you is going to determine how they feel about your company. 
they're first line workers. So they're important, right? And uh, oftentimes those guys are the ones who don't get paid, <laughs> you know, the most by yeah. far. Um, if you think about retail environments or other situations where you might have a person like that, um, they would, the, the computers they might use, aside from like registers and things, are the types of computers where you would be looking up stuff. Like we went into Ikea, you want to buy something, some guy goes to the computer, types in the code for the thing, looks it up, tells you if you can get it and where you get it, and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, and print stuff out. That thing is a computer, obviously. It's running Windows something and it's got some application running on it. But what it really is is a kiosk because even though it's Windows and even though it could probably run games and you know browse the web and all this other stuff, what the employer wants is to lock that thing down so it doesn't do that stuff. So Microsoft has created a version of their Microsoft 365 service, which is Office 365 plus some other stuff for these types of customers, their enterprise customer businesses. And they've created, um, or they're working with uh, PC makers to create Windows 10S-based PCs for those types of uh, workers. So again, if you could imagine a, a retail situation, rather than have someone have to go and find a computer, walk up to it and type on it, these guys could have a laptop that they carry around with them in this case. Um, a tablet might be better, but we're dealing with laptops uh, today. And it's running Windows 10S. And so it's uh, an expansion of Windows 10S from education into the enterprise, sort of, like for, you know that, that this kind of niche part of the enterprise. And you can make a pretty good argument that this is um, maybe an example of Windows 10S does make a bit of sense yeah, um, because you can lock it down a little bit better. Um, I actually still think that Windows 10 Pro would be better in this situation and that the way to handle this is to install the apps that these people need. And lock it down. Lock it down otherwise. Yeah. Um, there are controls in Windows that will prevent users from downloading we apps. We discussed and, this, yeah. and you said that the, the way that you were theorizing how to make this work would be a little difficult, right? Yeah, but, but the current, these, the current way these controls right. exist. I mean, I'm just saying you can you could do this, but anyway, this is just they're just expanding Windows Tennis to a, another little niche market. Yeah. Um, did you see the devices? What did you think? No, of the but I've only seen the pictures. So the nice thing about these is they're all 14 inch devices, which I like. They come with a variety of processor RAM storage choices, so they're not like low end hardened like education things for kids they're actually for human beings and adults and stuff and so you know the price ranges will be from like 275 and up but i think really what they're going to be is about the mid you know like 500s kind of will be more typical yeah and you know it'll be a, a decently capable computer yeah 500 dollars for you know windows 10s yeah so are these devices going to be upgraded can you upgrade for free or is that only with the surface no, it's free. Yeah, all Windows 10s can upgrade for free. All, all win Okay, so that's actually for now, great. You know, yeah. for the time being. Um, so you have the HP Stream 14 Pro starts at 275. Acer yep. Spire One 14 inch ultra ultra slim 299. Acer Swift One 13 inch ultra ultra slim 349. Yep. And the Lenovo V330 for 349. Those are the ones that we have right now. But remember, those are starting prices because those prices, yeah. you can actually configure them. In some cases, with an i3, an i5, or an i7, you know, different RAM amounts, different storage amounts, and so forth. Um, now it comes down to ecosystem. What will the ecosystem yeah. look like? I, I, I mean, I hate to keep hammering on Windows 10 S. I, I get what they're trying to do, but I don't feel that this is going to be successful in any way. I, I just, it just doesn't make any sense. <sighs> I, I get why you would buy it, 
right? I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. But who would, who's going to buy? Well, in other words, look, if Ikea or I almost said Sears, Sears isn't a thing. Um, if, if some retailer, it doesn't, let's just use a re- retailers like, a. Sears is still a thing, by the way. I okay, have a Sears but, by it, me. All right. Let's don't get distracted. So <laughs> if, if some retailer wanted to do this for it to make sense, the software that their sales associates need would need to be available in the Windows Store. Yeah. And that is not the case. Yeah. I, I, I think ever. So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I appreciate wanting to lock it down. Like I get this kind of thing. Um, the other thing I said, and I kind of talked into this a little bit earlier, is if you think about people walking around on a, a showroom floor at like Ikea or in any retail, like Banana Republic or something, um, you know, having a laptop is actually not super convenient. Um, what you really need is a tablet. Absolutely. And, um, you know, in those cases, I think uh, uh, an iPad or an Android tablet would probably be more appropriate. And they can be locked down in certain ways as well. And the app ecosystems there are pretty incredible. And, you know, on and on we go. So, I, again, like I said, I get why they're doing it. Yeah. I just think, realistically speaking, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I agree with you. Guys, yeah. uh, Paul has to go. It's almost that time. Yes, I do. Paul has to go. Uh, when will I see you next? You know, I got to look this up. I, 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 I think I am coming to New York in October. Oh, nice, uh, very nice. But I don't have a the date week. on it. No, I'm going to be actually. I'm going to be away next week. Are you? Yes. For me, so you will not be here with me. I'm going to be away for everybody. Okay. Oh, really? Yes, I am. Are you running away? Um, Where are you going? I'm. <laughs> I'm going to Japan. Oh my God! It's next week. Yeah. It came oh, up. I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see. No, you're like I can't wait. I can't wait to, for yeah, you to get yeah, away yeah. from me. I can't wait to see your trip. I know. I can't wait either. That's but. awesome. Japan yep. is awesome. Uh, so Paul will not be here next week, but I will be here next week with a guest. Maybe it's a good week to have Mike Nash on. There you go. You know what? Maybe you know what I'll do. Maybe I'll record something with Mike on Tuesday. He'll be so happy. He will be happy. I like Mike. Uh, guys, go to our website, gfknetwork.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you enjoy the show, help us out. Fund us. As little as $1 per episode. Go to patreon.com slash what the tech. You can fund us. You know, $1, whatever you want to give us. And that really helps us going along with the show. And it, it, it really encourages us to continue doing what we do. For all things Paul, go to therot.com. You can follow him on the at the rot at on geez at on on at you can follow Paul at the rot yep. on Twitter. You can follow me at Andrew Zarian on Twitter. And we'll see you all next time. Take care.